All right. We're talking about the good news, the best news that we've ever heard. And we've talked about it in one word. We've talked about it in three words, and we're talking about it in 30 words. And just some review. The gospel, the good news, the best news ever heard in one word. Help me out, kids. Jesus. The good news, the best news ever heard in one word is Jesus. God looks like Jesus. He's always looked like Jesus. We haven't always known this, but now we do. God is most clearly revealed through the person and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And this is extremely, extremely, extremely good news. Gospel in three words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus rules and reigns. Jesus doesn't only want to reverse the curse of sin and death and decay. He doesn't only want to make all wrong things right. He actually can. He's powerful to do it. He is king. He is sovereign. He is ruler. He reigns. He is all-powerful king. He is the word that existed with God and was with God and made all things were made through him and by him, it says in John. And it says, this word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the gospel in three words is Jesus is Lord. Now who knows the gospel in 30 words? Come on. I'm going to flip the slide. But I'll give you uh, $5 if you can do it. I'll see if people look knowingly. I'll give you $100 if you can do it. $1,000 now. Okay, all right. Jesus is. Test me. I'm going to do it from my, my brain. Okay? Jesus is God with us. Come to Show us God's love. Save us from sin. Set up His kingdom. Shut down religion so we can share in God's life. Come on, come on, come on. All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. The ground of the gospel, the four gifts of the gospel, and the goal of the gospel. All right. So the ground of the gospel is Jesus is God with us. What we call the incarnation that God Himself took on flesh took on weakness, took on vulnerability, took on humanity, and was fully God and fully man. And because of this, this is the good news, that God is uh, with us, that He actually gets us, that He understands us, that He knows when you're afraid and He knows what it's like to be afraid. He knows what it's like to be tempted, and He's there with you. So He gets you. He understands you. When we talk about sharing the gospel, let me just share a little story of a woman last week when we had the barbecue, right? And I was talking to a woman who stopped by uh, off the street and we were just talking and she started to share um, how she was addicted to meth. And she'd been on the street and she's got 16 grandkids and six children and she's so sad and ripped apart because she can't be with them. And so she was sharing this with me and I said, I just started asking her questions like, has there been a time where you've You've been um, sober, that you've been able to kick this? She said, yeah. I said, well, how long, how long was that? She said, I've been sober for three years. I've been several, so, several times. The longest was last time for three years. And I said, well, what, what happened? And she said, my dad died about a year ago. She, he died. And she began to tell me about her dad. She lived with her dad. She watched him slowly decline and watched him die and described the whole thing and just talked and she was just kind of staring off into space sharing the story with me and she just stopped she said that feels 
really good to share that. Like I, I, she said, is it September? I said, yeah, it's September. She said, it's been a year. My dad died in September of last year. It's been a year and I haven't told anyone that story. And it feels so good to share it. And she just stopped and she said, after a little bit, she said, I think God wanted me to be here so I could just share that story. And this is what I said. This is gospel proclamation, okay? I said, I know he brought you here to share that story because God is with you. I said, God is with you. I said, I'm, I'm convinced more and more that Jesus is, is pursuing us and he's with you and he gets you. He understands your, your struggle and he loves you so much that he wants this burden off of you. And that's just, we just talked. That's all I said. God is with you. Jesus is God with us. He gets us. He's for us. He's not against us. In Jesus, we see a God that is for us, not against us, who's turned his face to us, who shows us God's love. We know that there has been a stake planted in the flow of human history, right? Whenever we doubt who God is, whether he cares, whether he loves, this is how we know that God is love and that he loves us. It's Jesus and the cross. And the cross, his life, death, and resurrection is planted in, in human history. And that is our reference point. That says God is love and he loves the world and he loves us and he loves you individually. God doesn't only love all of us. He loves each of us. And we see that in the cross. Jesus shows us God's love. Today, we're going to look at the second gift of the gospel. That Jesus is God with us, come to save us from sin. Now typically, we've been talking about the gospel for like four or five weeks. We've been going through this. Typically, this is where you would start and this is where you would end. Typically, at least in the way I grew up, this is the sum total of the gospel. That Jesus saves us from our sin. I have ceased to believe that. I'll just come right out and say that right now. That I believe that this is a necessary part of the gospel, but it is not, it is not it in its entirety. I believe that all of this is in its entirety. That the gospel is a cluster of beautiful truths made known in Jesus. And we can't, it's like a diamond, right? A diamond has a lot of facets, right? And each facet, one, each, one facet alone, you, just, you don't have a diamond, you have a fleck of a diamond, with one facet, but taking all the facets together is what makes the brilliance of the diamond, the beauty of the diamond, the value of the diamond. And so each of these is facet of this one beautiful this one beautiful message, the good news made known in Jesus. And so salvation from sin is the gospel. It is not the gospel alone. It alone is not the gospel. But without this, you don't have the gospel. So let's talk about the gospel. Let's talk about this facet, this all-important key facet of the gospel that Jesus saves us. He came to save us from sin. Let me just pray for this because it's, it's huge and it's a huge, important piece and I just want to pray and settle into this. Lord Jesus, you are good. You've made known yourself. You've made known God to us. You've come among us. You've showed us that you, God, are love. 
And now we learn that You save us from our sin. And sin is so destructive and it's so blinding. And so I pray, Jesus, that You would open all of us up to know, to understand and to believe and to see how You save us from sin and to see the effects of sin in our life and to see how You have, have, have dealt with sin. So, be with us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We, Alex read a story. It's uh, one of my favorite episodes in the life of Jesus. It's Mark 1. And if you need a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, there's lots of Bibles in the back. I encourage you to grab one. But we're going to... Um, we, it, it's been read. Mark 1, 2, 1 through 12. This is one of my favorite scriptures. If you need to know the page number, if you've got one of these Bibles, I'll tell you the page number of it. Make it a little easier on you. It's towards the back. And it's uh, page 694, 695, you can find it in your Bible. So that's nice if you've got this kind of, if you've got this Bible. Let's go back into this story, though. It's one of my favorite stories. See, Jesus at this point in Mark has performed some miracles. He's healed some people. He's spoken some crazy words that, that people have never heard anyone speak with such power and authority before and so crowds are starting to gather and crowds are starting to follow and the the story gets out the word gets out that Jesus is is in town and so he stops at this home and homes remember are not just like these little teeny homes it's kind of like the plat house more like anything else right if you've seen the plat house it's kind of like a compound where there's extended family all around all right they're not all blood relatives. There's aunts and uncles and, and cousins and friends and people. It's just this big happy family. And, and so Jesus is in this, this kind of house compound deal. And he's teaching. And there's crowds that have gathered around. And you would have kind of a courtyard, okay? So it would be kind of like maybe a horseshoe. And there are so many people that they filled up the courtyard, this horseshoe. And Jesus is inside the house and people are inside the house, and it's just crowded. Wall-to-wall people, all the way into the courtyard, all the way outside the, the walls, it's crowded. And he's teaching, and people are just hanging on every word. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, as it says. So, I hope you have this in your imagination. Now, here comes these four guys, the four amigos, let's call them, alright? These four friends. And they're carrying whom? They're going the fifth friend. Yeah, they're carrying a, another guy who is unable to walk. He's a paralytic. Paralytic. He's paralyzed. He can't move. He can't move on his own. And so they're carrying him. And why are they carrying him? They're carrying him to Jesus because they've heard of Jesus that he can heal people. They believe what they've heard about Jesus. And so they have faith that Jesus can heal their friend. And they love their friend and they want to bring him to Jesus. So they're carrying him to Jesus. And then they see there's this barrier. This human barrier. There's these, this huge crowd. They can't get in. They've got a stretcher. They're kind of weaving in and out of people and they're trying to figure it out. And so, just imagine, I'm, I'm kind of going off script here, imagining a little bit. The four guys are like, how are we going to get this guy to Jesus? Because Jesus can, can heal him. And so they like do a little huddle, right? And the guys, they just set the guy down and he's just laying there. And the guys like huddle up and he's just laying there. He's sitting there, unable to move. And he says, so what are we going to do? How are we going to get him to Jesus? And one guy's like, I got it. I got it, man. What if we climbed on the roof, dug through the roof? They don't make roofs that great in the ancient Near East, right? We've seen it. Like it's just twigs and sand and clay. We can just dig through. 
They're like, that's a good idea. So they, they, they pick him up and they start battling through the crowd. They climb up onto the roof and they start digging through. This, the, the roofs were made of like sticks and clay and, and, and brick. It wasn't like hard shingles and stuff. And so they did. Now, Jesus, let's go inside. That's upside, outside. Let's go inside. Jesus is inside. He's teaching and people are just hanging on every word. And all of a sudden, you know, dust starts falling on Jesus' head or before Jesus' feet. On People are like, what's going on? Like, what? And then all of a sudden it collapses through and up through as the dust settles. You got four faces looking in. Like, hey, hey. And they lower the guy down, right? They're like lowering him through the roof. And he can't move and he's just powerless, right? He just lowered down right before Jesus. And he's like, hey, what's up? How you doing? And Jesus, it says that Jesus looked at the men and he saw their faith. And then he looks at the paralytic, the man paralyzed. Can't move. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Imagine everyone's just quiet. And he's just like, well, cool. That's not what I came here for, but think, like I'm paralyzed. I don't know if you noticed, I can't move. Like, why are you forgiving my sins? Like, what's, what's the connection here? And, but, but then we have this debate. The Pharisees are like, well, what are you talking about? Only God can forgive sins. And remember, this guy's still like hanging out. I don't know if they just like put him on the floor, or if he's just hanging from a rope from his cot or whatever, but he's just there and there's this debate happening. And the Pharisees, are like, these religious leaders, are like, what are you talking about, Jesus? You can't forgive sins. Who are you? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus, it says in the text, like, he looked at the man. He's not even looking at them. It's kind of a, you know, like uh, a dissing them a little bit. They're like, hey, listen, this is, you're a religious leader. You're important in the eyes of the world, but I'm turning my attention on this man. And he looks at the man, and he's, and he's, talk, he's talking to them, and he says, so that you would know that I have the power and the authority to forgive sins. He said, what, what is easier, to f- heal this man or to forgive him of sins? So that you know that I have the authority and power to forgive sins. He looks at the man and he says, maybe he's on the floor now, it sounds like, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at that moment, the man has a choice to make, right? It's his friend's faith that brought him to Jesus, and now he's got to respond to Jesus is he going to get up? Like, that's, that's an awkward moment, right? I haven't moved for years and years, maybe his whole life. And he gets up, and his legs work. And he picks up the mat, and he's like, dude, dude, whatever that is in Arabic, or uh, Aramaic, dude. And he just, like, starts walking out the aisle, and the people are just walking. You can just see it's dead quiet, and they're watching him walk out, you know? This is an amazing, amazing moment. I love that story. So what, this is what I want to focus on. What is the connection between this man's need for healing and his need for forgiveness? That's the question I want to ask. Because Jesus kind of makes this connection here. He says, your sins are forgiven. And he's like, uh, okay. And then he heals his body of his physical malady, his sickness, his, par- his paralysis. What's the connection? Let me submit a couple, all right? A couple connections. First, I think it demonstrates that uh, it's around Jesus' authority. Jesus has authority to heal, and he has authority to forgive sins. Jesus is Lord, 
Alright, this is what we come away with. That the gospel in three words, Jesus is Lord. He has the power to forgive sins and it is demonstrated by his power to heal this man physically. And so it's this tangible evidence and expression of the power that Jesus has over kind of the, the, the powers and principalities and the sin in our life. So he's, Jesus is Lord. It shows that. But second, and this is what I want to focus on, I believe that this shows that, that sin impacts more than our souls, all right? Sin is more than just inside of us. Sin is more than just a personal kind of private problem that separates us from God. Um, sin is inside of us and outside of us. Sin is personal and it's public. Sin is spiritual and it's it's, its effects are felt physically as well. So, all sickness, all disease, all injustice, all oppression, all inequality, every unkind word, every instance of abuse uh, that we see, every war, every act of violence, right, is the result of sin. Now, please, hear me clearly. Everyone looking at me, please. Because what I don't, this is what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear. I'm not saying that this man is necessarily sick because he sinned, okay? If you were thinking that, stop thinking that, okay? I'm not saying that this, man, this man's fault that he's paralyzed and it's because he was, he was sin that God was punishing him or that he's sick. Now, this can happen, right? We know this logically that our choices have consequences, right? Our sin can lead to physical harm and, and consequences, right? Like, if I eat only my favorite kind of food is Doritos, like cheese Doritos, with cheese melted on top. Okay? It's really good. Yeah. All right? So you microwave it, and all nutritional value is zapped out of it, and only that remains is like the salt and MSG, and it's really good. If I ate only that, like, I would become sick, and I would eventually suffer the consequence, like I would be sick, and that would be due to my choices and to my sin, all right? So our sin has consequences, and it can lead to, to sickness, all right? Is, but, but not always. See, what I'm saying here is that the, the existence of sickness, the existence of paralysis, the existence of addiction, the existence of blindness and all of these things is the, exists because sin exists, because our world suffers and groans under the weight of sin and death, right? Like, we live in a world, it is fallen, sin has entered the world due to humanity's rebellion, sin itself, uh, nature itself is compromised, and so it doesn't work, right? And so we have mutated genes and, and sickness and paralysis, and things don't work, they're not as they should be. So, this is what I mean, Sin is bigger than the individual. Sin is bigger than my private personal life. Sin impacts all of creation. And it's something that impacts our bodies. It impacts our systems. See, I believe that systems are fallen. We have our education system is, is messed up, right? This is what we call powers and principalities. There's injustice. There's inequalities in our systems. Our justice system is messed up, right? It... it, it, it it is full of injustice and inequality. 
Our, our governments are messed up. And so sin is more than personal. It's systemic. It includes not just individuals and the individuals within systems. It includes even the systems themselves. The ecosystem included. All right? Are we... Are we does that make sense? Because sin has entered the world. All right. I spent some time on that. But here is the good news. All right? Here is the good news. Jesus comes to save us from sin. The sin that has infected all of creation. The sin under which we suffer. The sin under which we, we groan and we're, we're weighted down. Now, what is sin? What is sin? We've talked about the effects of sin, right? Injustice and addiction and illness and um, just, uh, broken relationships and all of this. It's a result of sin. Well, what is it? The Greek word that the Bible, that's translated in the Bible is hamartia. It means literally, it's, an arch, it's a term used in archery or in marksmanship, right? It means to miss the mark. So if there's a bullseye over there, and I'm, I'm going to shoot an arrow, all right? And if I hit it, the arrow is sent out, shot with a purpose. And if it hits the bullseye, it fulfills the purpose for which it was sent, right? I shoot it, boom, it hits the mark. It fulfills the purpose for which it was sent. When it misses the mark, it fails to live up to the purpose for which it was sent. It missed the mark. So sin is simply to miss the mark. Now what mark are we missing? The mark that we're missing, we're created by God in His image, right? He creates us out of His love and out of His grace to be in communion with us, uh, with, with God, to be in communion with others, to be in communion with creation, right? We're created to be in loving relationship with God, one another, and creation. We miss the mark when we fail to live a life of love in loving relationship with God, with others, and with creation. And so that is our design. Our design is to be image bearers of God, to reflect His love and His glory. And whenever we fail to do that, that's called sin. And the effects of sin are all the things that we've talked about. So, the, the main source of sin is our idolatry. Word, the idolatry word, right? Have you heard of this? Worshiping something as if it were God when it really is not. Worshiping something as God when it actually isn't. That includes worshiping ourselves. That includes worshiping our spouse. That includes worshiping our job. That includes worshiping a tree. Whatever it may be. Our relationships. Our money. That's typically what we fall into is our money and our possessions and our materials. This is the, the source of sin. And, and the more we sin, the more we miss the mark of our calling, that's what it means to be human. To be human, to be truly human, is to glorify God, to reflect His love. And when we miss the mark, we become increasingly less human. Less human, subhuman, subhuman. And we keep making that choice and we get further and further. So what happens? Notice, what is the symbol, the icon here? Can you see it? What is it? That's a chain. It's a broken chain. See, every time, what, what this does, sin binds us up. It imprisons us. This, the Bible says that we are in bondage to sin. That we are enslaved to sin. 
that we are bound up. And it's a cruel, we're, we're slaves to sin and it's a cruel master, right? And the more and more we sin and the more and more people sin against us, the more and more bound up we get. And so the effects of sin are devastating. And so just look, just think for a moment, look at your life. Can you feel the weight of sin? I'm not just talking about inside, although I'm sure you can think of ways that you've sinned, that you've been unkind, that you've broken relationship with with someone in your life. But think about what's happened around you, the death you've experienced, the loss you've experienced. Think about the addiction that you see around. Think about the pain that you felt as a result of of unkind words or people letting you down or, or relationships being broken. Like, can you feel the weight of sin? Look at the people around you in your life. I mean, today I was driving down Central and there's a guy, it's raining, and he's just like on the curb, just totally passed out, half his legs in the street. Like, we are in bondage. We see it all around. And you look at the world, right? Genocide and injustice and oppression and devastating hurricanes and price gouging and backstabbing. Like, you just see it. We are, we are bound in sin. We are in bondage. We need rescue. We need redemption. So, back to Jesus and the paralytic. Jesus comes to this man, and what does he say to him first? He says, your sins are what? Forgiven. The word for forgiven, this is what's cool. In Scripture, there's a few different words used, and most of them have this root. To be forgiven, in the, in the, in the Greek word, literally means to be released. To send, to be the sins are sent away. They're sent off. They're you're it's you're released from this the shackles. To forgive someone is to release them of what they've done to you. You're not you don't owe me anything. I forgive you. See, we're in bondage to sin and to death and to decay. We're in bondage to the sins that have been committed against us and the sins that we've committed, and it just it, it's killing us. And to be forgiven is to be released from this. And just like, so the forgiveness and the healing are related because he, he forgives this man his sins and he forgives, he releases him of his paralysis, which is the effects of living in a sinful world. And he's released from both, physical and spiritual release. So this man's story is our story. We are captive to sin and to death and to decay. And our neighbors are captive to sin, death, and decay. And our systems are captive to death and sin and decay. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to break the bonds. And so let's look really quickly at Colossians, okay? We're not going to spend tons of time. But I... And we're going to... Dave, I want you to come up here real quick, please. I asked... Prepared day for this. But listen, look what happens here. This is right in the middle of a prayer, okay? It's Colossians 1, 11 through 14. Um, it says, Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, God's might, 
so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. I want to I focus here. We're talking about what God has done through Jesus. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, that is Jesus, in whom we have redemption, rescue, release, salvation, the forgiveness, the release of sins. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. See, when Jesus, what Jesus has done on the cross is he has rescued us. He's taken us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son, Jesus, with whom there is redemption and forgiveness of sins. All right, we're just going to hop around here. We're going to go to the next one. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. That's the incarnation, God with us. Through him to reconcile to himself all things. He's bringing all back into relationship to himself as we were meant to be whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What accomplishes this reconciliation? What accomplishes this freedom and forgiveness from sin? It's his, the blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. So let's talk about this. We in the world, look at this. Boom, object lesson. There you go. We in the world are in bondage to sin. All creation groans, it says in Romans 8. All creation groans. And this is our condition. We are captive to sin. We have not practiced this ahead of time. So maybe I got that around. All right. And every time we sin and every time a sin is committed against us, think about the effects of abuse in in our lives and the, the effects of neglect, right? In our, in our, we see this, that we get bound up and we get further and further chained and the whole world is bound up in chains. And uh, imagine that's a lock. And the whole world is, is enchained, in bondage, in a prison cell. And we can't get out of it. And we're hopelessly hopelessly imprisoned and there's nothing we can do to get out of it the the powers and the principalities were under the dominion of darkness the rule of of satan the powers and principalities of of injustice and so what jesus does with his life and his death and his resurrection jesus becomes the bolt cutters all right jesus is the one that frees us from sin and nothing there has to be a solution outside of ourselves by pure grace And so Jesus, what he does is he comes and he breaks the chains and he frees us from bondage and we are set free, allowed to live a life of freedom and grace and mercy and love. And what we do, this is the beautiful thing. This is what God has done in Christ, all right? Because he's chosen humanity to bring new creation. He's chosen to work through his people who are made new. It says that anyone is in Christ They are new creation. A renewed world flows from the freed man into all the world and saturates and infects the world. That's like a new infection, right? Sin infects the world and now we have a new infection. The infection of the Holy Spirit and the infection of new life and freed people released 
to proclaim the good news and new creation begins to take effect on the world and we are free. That's what God has done. Thank you, Dave. You're free to go, bro. You're not in change, all right? So look at this. Look at this. Let's just dive into it. I'm, I'm going a little bit longer, but it's important. We'll get food, okay? I promise. I got some extra chicken coming, all right? Colossians 1. This is a powerful verse. Uh, no, I want to go here. See that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than Christ. See, there is a spiritual bondage that grips the earth. And he says, don't be taken captive by it. Here's what Christ has done. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Again, there's that incarnation, the ground of the gospel. God has come into our space. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. He is Lord, is what that says, the gospel in three words. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. I'm going to explain this. Just hold on. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, that's another word for sin and its effects, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Here's the deal, all right? This is what we're talking about. Circumcision was a rite, a ritual that... Uh, that proclaimed was a ritual of Israel to say I am a member of the people of God alright I am with God I want to walk in his way in the same way baptism is an initiation rite alright when we are baptized we are baptized into the family of faith it's a symbol that we are crucified with Christ that we are buried with him and with our burial all of that junk all of that sin all of that captivity is left in the grave, and when we are pulled up, that is left behind, and we are raised with Christ in newness of life. So that's what baptism symbolizes. And so it's explaining this. And this is what I want to get at, though. You were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, but God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, both the sins committed against you and the sins you have committed. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. I had another object lesson, but you're just going to have to use your imagination. All right, look, imagine a ream of paper, just like a whole file of papers, right? And it's like eight-point font. And on that paper, every single page is every wrong thing you have ever done, to, to break relationships, to harm other people, to harm yourself, all of the ways you've missed the mark of your calling to reflect the image of God, and it's just there. Everything is written down, and that's the debt. That's the legal indebtedness that stood to condemn you. What this is saying is that when Jesus was crucified at the cross, that debt was nailed to the cross and taken away. It stands to condemn you no more. That is what has happened on the cross. And then, verse 15, this is cool, all right? And this gets at the cosmic. So there's the personal. Remember I said sin is personal. It's individual, but it's not just that. And that's where we, we usually think. It's just me, me and God. I need to be reconciled to God and then wait for heaven. No, sin impacts us and the whole world. And, and, and Christ's death did this. It disarmed 
the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. I'm going to finish here, okay? This is picturing what they would do in Rome. The Roman Empire was the world superpower of the day, okay? This is what they would do to their conquered enemies. They would take the generals and the kings and the rulers and the governing officials of the the lands and the, the nations they conquered and they would strip them naked, they would beat them up and they would take them on a parade through the streets of the Roman Empire. And they would take them on tour and they would, they would parade them through, beaten and naked and humiliated through the streets. And people would line up and throw stuff at them and mock them and insult them and humiliate them. And what this said was that Rome was all-powerful. Rome was the superpower and no one better resist Rome or else they'll end up like these fools, these sorry fools. And so this is what this saying Jesus did on the cross to the powers and authorities that hold the world captive. They've been paraded and humiliated, made a public spectacle of, and they've been triumphed over by the cross. Jesus has dealt with sin. He's broken the chains. He's broken the bondage that we experience as a result of sin and the sins committed against us. They don't have to. The things that have been done to you, and it's heartbreaking, right? It's heartbreaking. The things that have been done to you at the hands of sinful men and women are horrific. They don't have to control your life, though. They don't have to change your life. Jesus has broken the power of sin and death over your life. Your addictions don't have to have power over you. Jesus has defeated the powers and the principalities of darkness. Sin doesn't have to separate you from God and from other people and from creation because Jesus has freed you. So two things to just end with. How long am I going? Like two hours? I don't know. This is what I want to leave you with. If you are someone who has, has given their life to Christ and you've said, I believe that you have broken the chains of, of, of bondage in my life and I'm, I'm free, right? You believe that, but maybe you're still struggling with, with sin, right? Maybe you're still struggling with, with guilt. Maybe you're still turning back to that addiction or to that, that pattern of your life. Why is that? I think here's the reason. I want you to hear this. You are free. Like the chain has been broken. You don't have to be a slave to that. Here's the deal. I think sin is so powerful and it's so, so entrapping that we've been in captivity so long that when the cell door swings open, we just stay in the cell. And what I'm here to say is like, you can walk out. You can walk out. Like the chain is unlocked. The bolt cutter has destroyed it. They have no power and authority over you. You can walk out. Now, I'm not saying this can be easy. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that that won't take the, the community to come alongside of you. That doesn't mean you don't need maybe Christian some counseling of a, of, 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 of a community of faith and someone who's trained in counseling, but you can overcome the sin and the addiction and the, the, the captivity that you're under because if you have placed your faith in Jesus and believe in Him, He has freed you. You can walk out. Second, if you are someone who is 
still in bondage. You haven't trusted that Jesus is your, your rescuer, your redeemer. This is what Christ has done. And this is what I, I just, I want so badly that all of us would realize, and kids, all of us would realize, my kids and you guys and everyone here, please, if you haven't considered the fact that Jesus is Lord that he is powerful and mighty to save and that he has broken the chains of your sin and you don't have to be in bondage. Jesus has is powerful over sin and death. And so if you haven't responded to Jesus before, I just and you feel that Jesus is calling you, respond. You don't have to have all the answers. Step in faith. That's what would be my call. And if you want to talk to me or anyone else that you know is a follower of Jesus about that, let's talk. Lord, we thank you that you are good, that you are Savior, that you are Redeemer, that you are Lord, that you have broken the chains of bondage that enslave us and that harm us and hurt us. And God, we know that there is a world that is hurting and needs release. We thank you that you have provided the solution, the axe, the bolt cutters that free us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, all right, we're going to eat. And I want to say just one word quickly. Oh, that was only 41 minutes. We're good. Let's go another round. Okay, hold on.